Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. This is part two of the conversation with Suzanne Stabile. Got caught off yesterday and we just jumped right back in. So enjoy this. You're going to like it. Um, and also let me remind you what I said yesterday. Uh, my new book, Befriending Your Monsters, conversation about how your fears can actually be something that God uses to get you to who you are created to be, which kind of timely uh, in light of all that's going on right now. Uh, it's available now for pre-sale, and if you order now, we have 500 copies of God Ever Good that we're going to give away, my first book. So go ahead and pre-order right now. I've got links in the show notes. You can check it out there. Uh, get a copy, and then you'll get the old book as well. So uh, good news all around. There we are. Are you still right. happy? You're Sudan. I'm, I'm always happy oh, yeah, not, to talk to you. Well, okay. Always happy uh, to talk to you. I'm not, I'm not always happy, but I am happy to talk to you always. There you go. Uh, Friends, what happened yesterday, we were halfway through this podcast, and then we had some technical difficulty, and then you had to run, and so we're just going to, this is part two of the podcast, and we're going to blame the, the, whatever that was on the corona. Corona got us, but we're back now. Yep. Corona 18. It must have been 18. Yeah, it was so, the older version of that. Yeah. I have no idea what we were exactly talking about. Uh, so, <laughs> do you? fear and anxiety is in the air. Yep. Anger. I was going to make a follow-up question to that and then we got cut off, but we can kind of go wherever. Like this is, we don't, we don't have to like remember that because it's going to be weird for everyone else because they literally just heard that a minute ago, but we, it's been a full day. A lot has changed in the last day. Yep. You know, one of the things that's changed is that I found out that you just recently crossed the half a million milestone for copies of the road back to you, yeah, yeah that's that how uh, how many people from Laneda have Floyd sold data. half a million from Floyd huh? data? Flo- oh, I forgot about the flow. Sorry, that's all right. You did pretty good. Flo- people Nate. from Floyd data have sold half a million books. Yeah, probably over under. Probably over under just one. Okay, okay. Are you? I feel like you should be happy about it. it's. I'm actually very happy about it, and I'm particularly happy right now because I think relationships are are vulnerable in times like these. Very vulnerable. I read so somewhere true. that domestic violence cases and calls are way up. Yeah, people are stuck together. Yep. When you think vulnerability, what, what what's come coming through your head? Well, I'm uh, mindful, very aware for Joe and me that um, we have a lot of of Enneagram wisdom on board, thank God. But it gives us a way to deal with particulars. So um, we're both other referenced. And thankfully, because of technology, we can each as a two and a nine continue to do our work through technology so that we're not just putting all of that on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, my circumstance is very different from most because as you know, Joe left home at 14 and went to seminary and he was in a seminary setting until he was 26 when he was ordained and he did spiritual practices at least five times a day at the end of that and seven times a day at the beginning of that. And he spent a whole year as a freshman in college for the equal for everybody else 
able to only talk for an hour and a half a day and only at three meals a year. And he has this, um, from his time, you know, one of the Vincentians, um, charisms was they held the Vincentian fathers was they held everything in common. So during all of those years, I, I, I think Joe left the priesthood in 1985, six, seven, 1987. And I, if I'm not wrong, his monthly spending money in 87 was $75. Hmm. All the money he made went to the community. So Joe scarcity is not a, it, it isn't on Joe's radar anywhere. Like there's no angst about scarcity at all. There's going to be plenty of everything. God is always faithful. God has always been faithful to us. And he's got his prayer book and he's comfortable with a lot of silence. And, you know, I'd love for that to describe me perfectly, but as it turns out, it doesn't. No. And um, so I'm trying. He's trying to not be too content in his contemplative way of being in the world. And I'm trying not to be too needy for connection and all of the things that make up a two. And we could put together all kinds of examples of the fact that relationships that under normal circumstances are, I think mine and Joe's is exceptionally healthy. It is a good, good. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great relationship. Yeah, you've watched it for a long time. I mean, I think we, we pretty much have that in normal times, but these are not normal times. No. And so uh, we have to adapt. So I, I think my big thing is how are you supposed to do that if you don't have any tools? Like, you know, if, if people, not like you and me, but people who are just doing life and they never heard of the Enneagram and they've not done a lot of uh, work on themselves, what do they do now? What, what wisdom do they have to lean into to say, I know this makes you feel this way, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And... I know that you need this. So even though I don't need it, I'm going to offer it to you. If you don't have those tools, then what are you supposed to do? And so the road back to you offers you a place to stand. And the path between us, which is the follow-up book, offers you a place to stand with other people. Mm -hmm. And so right now, I feel pretty good about both of them. Yeah. You you know, I'm going to be real honest one of the things that makes me very confident about this is that, you know, Lindsay and I haven't had like one crossways, you know, look or word in the last two days. And part of that is because she's been staying at her parents' house the last two days and I haven't seen her. But overall, <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty much an expert in this too. But we do, in all seriousness, we do have the language, we have the tools that we can rely on and go okay these are ways to describe what's happening these are ways to understand who you are and where you're coming from you know i know my my wife does not do well quarantined at home uh she will she jokingly i mean she'll go crazy and so she has to get out she has to go go somewhere and if we don't have space for each other to be different then yeah obviously this thing's gonna 
be a mess if we're stuck in a situation for weeks on end, which it looks like we're going to be. It looks possible that we're going to be no. here for a long time, right? And I, and so um, I, I think we're going to have to be very patient. But I don't, I don't know if you don't have any awareness of what to be patient with. That I just think it's really hard. I, it's hard for me to say, oh, Joe and I are doing so great. Sorry about your luck. Because we have tools. Mm-hmm. One of the tools that you referenced uh, yesterday is you talked about like the different stages. Like know your number is entry level 101 to the Enneagram. Uh, you know, Stances gets up there. Um, the subtypes. Yeah. I, I haven't heard. A, you haven't done a ton of teaching on that especially early on, you weren't doing that. Uh, I'm hearing you talk about more recently, but I'm going to be honest, I haven't really done enough work on the subtypes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know which one I am, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know much there. For, for some people who, who also haven't worked on the subtypes of their number, can you give them like the introduction to that and then the follow-up question is going to be, where do you get more information about that? I can. Uh, I can do that. Something just happened here on my... Yes. You don't want to talk about it? Uh, uh, no, I want to talk about it. So my half of my screen just came up with something else. And you know, technology's not my thing. It's not your thing. So I'm still here, though. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. I'm not going anywhere. Um. Uh, so yesterday when I did 101, 102, 103, 104, yeah, sometimes it was way up there. And my theory is, is, still is, that... You should not take a test 101. Yeah. You should not try to work with stances before you've worked with triads 102. Mm-hmm. After triads, then you work with stances, but in that mix, you need to work with stress and security 103, mm-hmm. right? So then I think people are ready for subtypes. Okay. And so it's- until then, Subtypes become an excuse for bad behavior. They are confusing because you're trying to figure out the other two things. And the other two things are not changed by your subtype. And the reality is this. Uh, Triads never changes. Your number never changes. Your triad never changes. Your repressed center never changes. So what you're looking for in stances is balance. What you're looking for in triads is managing your dominant center. What you're looking for in uh, subtypes is also balance, but here's the caveat. Your subtype can change. Can I say one of the things that I'm frustrated about with the COVID-19 is that I was supposed to get a conference with you in Austin about stances. Yeah. And then we had a couple sessions lined up for Pepperdine yeah. that I'm not going to get. And I was kind of hoping, I, like, I, I, I wanted to hear some of this content. So we need to fix that and make that happen soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So know your numbers first, then your triad, whether your fear or your anger or shame dominant. Then you go to your, your, um, your well, stance towards and triads also still head heart gut. Okay, head heart gut. Okay, head heart gut stance, and then uh, 
triad. Or your triad. And then your stance is your relationship to people and time. And it's right. Yes. And it's withdrawing, dependent, or aggressive. And tell me again which psychologist's work kind of was connected to the Enneagram that gave us that. There, there's someone in the world of psychology that talked about with, towards, away. Yeah. Right? Karen Horney. Horney. Uh-huh. Okay. So once you get I'll through those. I'll for you offline. Huh? I'll spell Horney for you offline. Uh, um, okay. I'm, I feel like I got that. <laughs> okay. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay. So that's 101. My dad would say we need to use the language of 101, 201, 301, 401. Okay. Uh, I, I just know I'm going to get that text from my dad on Monday. So let's go ahead and do that. All right. So that Larry doesn't do that for me. Okay. So 401, once we get to the subtypes. Yep. The the subtypes are changing. Can change. Like they can change. Not not fluctuate. But they can change. So you know my way. I'll tell you a story. Okay. For always, all of my memory, I was social dominant. They're the same thing. If you think of subtypes, it's like three layers of a cake. And what you want is for all three layers to be even, but they never are. So my thickest layer, my dominant subtype has always been social and next sexual, which is smaller than social and next self-preserving, which has always been very small. Mm -hmm. And as you know, well, uh, six years ago, May something, uh, I was teaching in Austin and it was the day of the Kentucky Derby and you know, Joe, so you know that. I'm out of town, so his plan is I'm going to go to Fort Worth and ride horses with my buddy. I'm going to go eat barbecue, and I'm going to go home and watch the Kentucky Derby. Of course. And he went horseback riding, but he went alone because John had to be at the hospital. And he went to order barbecue, and he couldn't eat it, and he drove himself to a hospital, and he had a heart attack. Mm. And... I'm standing on stage at, at in Austin teaching, and the girl, Joey and Jenny, are, are with me on that trip. And Joey starts walking toward me from the back, and then she just keeps walking. And she comes up on stage, and she walks and stands right in front of me and starts to close my notes. And she said, Dad just had a heart attack, and we're leaving right now. Yeah. So we walk out, literally, just straight out the back of the church and come home, and Joe's fine. It was pharmaceutical induced and he's fine and we're good. But in that moment, my subtype, my my dog Oliver isn't happy about something unknown to me. My subtype unknown. See, Oliver doesn't think people should learn about subtypes early. He doesn't. He left the room and he's barking at someone. That's right. Because we're talking about subtypes and he doesn't think everybody's ready. No, he's not. He knows that. He's a smart dog. Right, right, right. He's barking at a very inopportune time. Like, this is a serious story and all that. So yeah, that's good. He's the worst dog ever. Uh, anyway, carry on. Okay, so y- your subtype changed. Yes, um, but it was unknown to me. I didn't know it. Like, I didn't know that happened, right? Because it, you don't go, oh, wait, I'm seeing the world differently now. So yeah. my subtype changed from social to sexual. Joe has always been social, dominant, then sexual, then self-preserving. Social is essentially your relationship to the world, one with Mm -hmm. many. Sexual doesn't have anything to do with sex. It has to do with 
intimacy and one-on-one relationships. Do we feel like we could have come up with a better term than that? Because I feel like if, if you're like a sexual, you know, one or three, it's like, it makes you feel bad about yourself. Like, how are you sexually? I'm a one, you know, it, it doesn't feel good. Well, or when I start teaching it and just say there are three subtypes and they're sexual, social, and self-preserving, everybody wants to be sexual. It's like, oh, oh, oh that's me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, and self-preserving is your relationship to yourself and your own stuff. Uh, like, that's mm-hmm. very, very brief. So, you know that I think everybody should have a therapist and I think everybody should have a spiritual director. And over the years, the last, Joe and I have had a therapist for 18 years, same one. And over the years, we have gone more or less at different times. But we hadn't gone much in a number of years when he had his heart attack. And because my subtype changed, we ended up in therapy to make our relationship capable of accommodating that. Because I wanted I was worried about, you know, how much I adore him and I was worried about him and I was worried that I could have lost him. And like, yeah. it, it was just not healthy. Like I, I would say, you always call it the office. You didn't call. Like, are you all right? And mm-hmm. he would say, of course I am. I just went straight into a meeting. You know, it's like we would be watching TV and he would watch the movie and I would watch him. And he said, this is creepy. You you have to stop. (laughs) So uh, what I'm saying is until you understand the foundation of know your number and and you know it and you know a moderate amount about every other number, which is 101, you're not ready for 201, Mm -hmm. which is your triad and stress and security. And until you know that, you're not ready for 301, which is stances. And until you understand all of that, you're not ready for subtypes. Now, uh, there are Enneagram authors, old and new, who I have a great deal of respect for. And they wrote very comprehensive books about the Enneagram that I think have... uh, uh, maybe too much information for a beginner. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that very respectfully because I, I've learned a lot from these people and I'm, I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying in my experience and my experience is different from most Enneagram teachers because our life in the Trinity ministry community here in Dallas was, uh, it, we began in 1985. I've been teaching to the same people in part, since 1985 and we have a center here and I've published curriculum. So I have a, a, a body of work, but I also have a body of people yeah. that I've worked with and learned from. And with the first group of people, I taught subtypes too soon. And that's how I learned that you needed to do these other things. Right. So yeah. th- those are my thoughts. I think subtypes are very important and I think when couples go need a therapist and go to therapy, it is more often because of having different subtypes than it is because of having different Enneagram numbers. Really? Yep. 
explain that more. Well, if if you think about uh, social, uh, let's say you're a social seven, and Lindsay is a self-preserving one. Okay. Right. Then just yeah. That can you see how problematic that could be? Lindsay has to share you with the world. You always have new ideas and new things that you want to do. You are extravagant in how you love people and you're extravagant in how generous you are. And Lindsay would have to grow into having space for that as a self-preserving one who wants to kind of keep everything wrapped up and tied up with a bow and uh, keep things here and safe and have enough extra for us, not just uh, things or resources, but extra you, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, um, it's a problem. And just as a, a tease, I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this in the future, but I, I think uh, subtypes, are probably, big word, probably, uh, excessive. One subtype is probably found in excess in a certain generation. You're just going to leave it at that? Well, That's I, a cliffhanger right there. I haven't done the work yet, but I will, I will say this. I think, um, I think baby boomers, which is my generation, born, uh, I think it's between 46 and 64. That may not be right. I think it is, though. Um, Baby boomers are, in general, not self-preserving. And baby boomers didn't plan to live as long as we're living. And baby boomers are scrambling for money and resources and work and a place to live that they can afford, which is why there are so many uh, places where you can sell your house, buy a smaller house, live in community with other people in smaller houses and have a swim pool and a golf course and common areas to eat and stuff like that. You, you know, I, I think we just were the first generation for television. We're the generation that, um, uh, all commercials were aimed at for probably 30 years. We're the generation that got credit more easily than the people before us. We, uh, you know, have it now, pay for it later. Like we, we, we really were raised by people who had so many limitations on their lives. They didn't want to limit ours. And mm-hmm. so we had to learn uh, or not how to limit ourselves. And when it's presented that people aren't ready to take care of themselves down the road. Yeah. And because they haven't, uh, they haven't planned for that. You know, we, we were living for today. Like we, you know, I, I came to SMU in 1969. I had finished high school in three and a half years. So I was 18. I came in January of 1969 and there was, uh, things kind of worked out. Okay. I went to be a youth director that summer 
And when I came back the next year, I was in a, what used to be married apartment housing with four roommates. And when I got there, one of our roommates was uh, one of the few African-Americans on campus. And there was a whole lot going on about race relations. And she was heavily involved in a sit-in in the president's office. And my job became to deliver food to the people who were in the sit-in in the president's office. So from Floyd A to Texas, to mm-hmm. starting a sit-in on the SMU campus with no thought to what that might cost me. No, no mm-hmm. thought about whether or not it was right or wrong or no thought. Just I'm getting involved in this because I think that's wrong and I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of that. We were against the Viet. Many of us were against the Vietnam War because of what it cost us. Not just because we were uh, in our heads or philosophically against war. I think a lot of us became that, but that that's not why we uh, w- we were trying to take care of people that we grew up with and loved. So we we, we were a, a wild bunch in our own way, and we risked a lot without knowing we were risking anything. It just felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And the difference in my generation and my children's generation, which would include you, the difference is that you all are willing to do things alone. You're willing to stand up for things on your own without a group. And my generation did things in groups. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's been hard for us to not consume it's been hard for us to not live on credit. It's been hard for us to um, plan for the future. And it's been hard for us to take care of ourselves. So I'm going to tell you one more story and then we can talk about something else. I was teaching a Sunday school class in 19, see, maybe 90. And the church we were assigned to, which was in Leonard, Texas, which is rural church in northeast Texas. And Joe was the pastor there, and I was teaching a Sunday school class, and there was a doctor in the room who wanted a medical degree and ended up with an uh, an OD instead of an MD. Um, I don't remember that word exactly. Super smart. He was the doctor for the whole area around there. His name was Fred. And one day in Sunday school, uh, we were talking about things that changed our lives. And he said, I wanted to be a doctor since I was a little boy. But everything kind of went crazy in the 60s and with the war. And I didn't think I would live. So I blew off my last two years in college. Like I, I made C's and D's instead of A's and B's. And then I couldn't get in med school. He said, because I thought the nuclear war was going to hit and the world was going to blow up. So those things seemingly for our generation didn't push us toward um, self-preserving. They pushed us toward, I'm going to live life while I can and not worry about later. Now, you've, you already promised that you're going to come back on sure. down the road to yep. talk about the effects to. of this. 
but as I'm hearing that person tell their story of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to care about my grades, so I'm not going to get into yeah. the MD school that I want, so I have to go to a DO school. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if this sort of, you know, COVID-19 yep. could have the same sort of societal trauma. Sure. Where people have this, hey, I'm just going to pivot away from what I was doing because all of a sudden everything I counted on and relied upon and depended right. on evaporates. Right. So what difference does it make? Yeah. Right. So, so I absolutely think that we always can learn from history. And I, I think, um, you know, that I'm working on a new book. So that's, a, I'm, that's over here and I'm going to keep writing and keep working. But mm-hmm. over here, I'm going to, in a different silo, I'm going to try to really listen and journal a lot and learn because I think this is a, um, certainly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me at my age to learn some things about the Enneagram that we don't know yet, which uh, the lead-in for kind of started yesterday when you and I were talking, and I I just believe that there is a there's the potential for enough of a crisis that you kind of have the capacity to go a little, a little bit different place because of an understanding of stances than just moving to your stress number and being, uh, presenting yourself and, and, and talking usually kind of in a sideways manner because most of us haven't spent a great deal of time in stress or in our stress. Hmm. And my sense is, and I, I'm, I, I'd like for people to let me know what their experience is. But my sense is that people who are thinking repressed right now, at this stage, now I don't know what's going to happen in the next stage, but at this stage right now, I think people who are thinking re- repressed are relying more on their thinking than they normally do intuitively. And I think people who are feeling repressed are relying more on that center than they normally do. And I think people who are doing repressed are relying more on that center. I think it's all intuitive. I don't know if it's going to last through the whole thing. But it, from my perspective, it's beginning to look like it's just necessary right now to use thinking and feeling and doing appropriately in order to take care of me and mine and in order to not take from you and yours. Hmm. Okay. So your husband is in the doing repressed, mm-hmm. right? And so you're in the thinking, I'm in the feeling. Right. Uh, Joe obviously has a huge job in a time like this, especially to take care of you know church, 16,000 people with th- thousands of people who are over the age of 60. And, He's doing a ton. He was just telling both of us all the, or he was telling me, all, you know, all the calls and all the people they're connecting to. Do you think that's more doing than he was uh, accustomed to do three months ago? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And it's more, uh, it's not just more doing, because, you know, nines do most of the time. They just don't do what needs to be done. But yeah. it's more disciplined doing because he has to do all that using technology instead of just driving up to the church. He has Mm -hmm. to have uh, 
what's the Google thing? Google Hangouts. He has mm-hmm. to have Google Hangouts to meet with his staff. He has to be part of a bigger thing to meet with the leadership staff at the church, which he's on. Like he, he is working more hours, not at the church, not working than he normally does. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself thinking more than you usually do. Yeah. As a thinking replaced. Right. right. And productive thinking. Like I'm thinking in a good way. I'm not uh, making up stuff. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, I think, because you asked yeah. me what kind of stuff I make up. I'm not making up stuff, and I'm not. Uh, it's like I've got things to do, number one. And number two, I have things to say because my life's work has something to offer right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And so – I need to think about what to say, and then I need to use platforms that are available to me to say. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So on Life in the Trinity Ministry, the last two days, we did a live podcast both afternoons for two and a half hours each. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to leave it up. I mean, it's not a live podcast. We live streamed. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's that live, maybe? Not, yeah, maybe. Yes. I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it yeah, was Facebook Live. Yeah, Is that yeah. where you live stream? Sure. Yeah. That's what we did. And we're going to leave it up on Life in the Trinity Ministries Facebook page. So Joey and Billy and Joe and I and Joel are just sitting there talking and answering questions that come in about the Enneagram. And yesterday it was primarily on stances because I didn't get to come do Austin. But we're going to do it. We're just postponing. Right? We'll postpone it, for sure. For sure. Susan, sure. so I feel like I got it. I think what I'm going to do with these podcasts is I'm just going to put one out on Monday like I used to do, and the next one I'm just going to put out on Tuesday. Okay. Because these are two days in a row. People, like you're saying, people have questions. Your life's work, uh, in some ways, can give us some answers on things that we're trying to make sense of. And I think two days in a row, that's the right thing to do with this. Uh, so we're going to wrap up here. Um what the we were talking about this off mic. I was asking you, as I often do, for life coaching here, and the question of what is the church's voice uh, in a time like this. And you and Joe both gave great responses, and don't don't say those because I'm going to pretend like I came up with them for my own sermons. So yeah. if you want another answer, just listen to my s- sermons for Sunday. Yeah. But I, when people are trying to figure out their game plan for a new normal. And I, I've got a friend who's quarantined, our friend Annie Downs. And she's been quarantined for like nine or ten days. And uh, her Insta story game, like she's posting every second of her day, I think. Because, um, you know, she's by herself. She's got that. It's, uh, But one of the things I loved is that she's developed like this quarantine checklist game plan. This, this is what I want to accomplish in this. Um, if you're trying to give students of the Enneagram kind of like a checklist. So this is how you can take this as a productive time that you're open to what God is trying to teach you through this. What is kind of like, hey, I want to wake up every day and I'm going to think of this. I'm going to be available to what God is trying to do in my life during the season. Can you give a one for, I guess every number might be different, but or every stance might be different, but kind of give us a an overall theme of what that should be. Um, okay. Number one, and I don't like this one even. Like, I don't like it. 
but if you're not doing some kind of contemplative practice, and if you're not starting the day with that, and maybe doing a contemplative practice mid to late afternoon, the, the same one or a different one, then you're already in trouble. Okay. And you know that Joe and I say that centering prayer is the one spiritual discipline that we believe every number has to do. No matter what, you got to do that one. So centering prayer. There are resources on the LTM website for that if you don't know about centering prayer. And, and, and the thing about centering prayer is the only thing you can do is not show up. So you're going to show up, hopefully mm-hmm. close to the same time every day. You have to have a plan for the day or your personality will take over. And it will drive you rather than you being in charge of it. It will determine what you do rather than you determining what you do. So every day requires for every number a contemplative practice to start with and a plan for the day. And the plan for the day has to include how do I appropriately care for myself? So that I can be the healthiest, best person I can be today. And what one thing am I going to do toward that goal? So um, one of the things that helps me, for example, as a two, since I'm thinking repressed, is to read people who are way smart. Because I have to stay engaged and I have to think to know what they're trying to teach me. So I'm doing that. Third thing, how am I in relationship to other people? Am I offering what I have to offer? Am I capable of receiving what other people are offering to me? And is there an honest exchange of feelings between me and somebody? Once a day. Honest exchange of feelings. Not just an exchange of feelings. Wow. Um, then, um, so you've taken care of your relationship to God. You've taken care of your relationship to yourself. You've taken care of your relationship with other people. And then the biggest one after that, and the one that will will uh, use up the rest of the day, is this: What is mine to do? And you know that's my that. lifelong question. I love it. Every day, what is mine to do? And it's what is mine to do today and what is mine to do in a bigger picture, perhaps. Yeah. That's good. Well, I think we've given everyone their homework. Those are four questions that everyone can work through every day. Yeah. Me and God, me and myself, me and others, what's mine to do? Yep. That's it. That's good. Suzanne, this has been great. Thanks. Uh, okay. Obviously your book just sold half a million copies. So if they don't have it, I mean, they've sold that many, they probably have it already, but, um, if not, they should go get a copy of that. And also in case you forgot special pre-order, go get my book too. Like Suzanne wrote an endorsement of it. So that's like buying Suzanne. You're buying like three sentences that were great sentences. She wrote about it. So think about it that way. And like I told you yesterday, uh, there's special pre-order thing. If you buy the new book now, they will send you a copy of God over good. So Befriend your monsters and got over good. Get them like you're stuck in your house. People should be reading. I pre-ordered yesterday. There you go. And Done. you left out the path. 
So you need, oh, yeah, the path yeah, between you need us. the road back to you for step two, but you need the path between us for step three. Wow. There you go. Solutions all over the place. Suzanne, it has been a blast to talk with you as always. I feel the same way. Okay. Deal. And you're going to come back on down yep. the road. Yep. For sure. All right. Done. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.